0: This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship.
1: Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes Store, the Google Play Store, or on the Podbean app.
0: You can find more Thanks for Sharing at www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com or on Facebook at facebook.com slash healingpaths. That's paths with an S. Hi,
1: everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm Jackie P. I'm John T. Uh, Today, we're going to do our last episode right in the series that we've been doing
0: yeah this is the fifth or sixth
1: yeah where we're going to be talking about how recovery repair looks with your adult children
0: yeah um (coughs) this as we've been preparing for this episode this to me feels like there's a really big shift not necessarily that the principles are different Uh but with adult children you have some things at play that i think really change the relationship Mm -hmm. dynamics so Unlike even your your teens, um, your adult children are probably capable of living completely independently from you. Yes, um, hopefully. Let's hope, right? Um, they may have relationships of their own and families of their own, which I think changed the, the parent-child relationship and dynamic a lot.
1: Let's just add, just for a minute, we hadn't talked about this before, but if, if your adult children aren't really capable or are not, like, mm-hmm. have that failure to launch, mm-hmm. you may need to look at... What attachment wounds is that child mm-hmm. struggling with? Mm-hmm. That if we can work through that, they will launch and and feel comfortable moving into their own independent life.
0: Yeah, I, I think there can really be a spectrum. You can have the failure to launch with your adult children. You can also have the counter-dependent um, adult child who wants nothing to do with you. Right. Um, and both of those ends of the extreme they're all on that attachment wound continuum Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and so everything we talk about today um i I would say is there are different ways to start opening up healing on the attachment wound yes Um,
1: but we can't heal the attachment wound without acknowledging it yes So there is going to be, if if the child has not already had some type of disclosure or does not know, there's going to Mm -hmm. be disclosure with adult children.
0: So if if you're at a point in your recovery, and maybe your entire recovery happened when your uh, children were adult, Mm -hmm. um, if what Jackie just said about being able to acknowledge the attachment wound, if that doesn't make sense to you, talk with your therapist about that. Right. Because you're going to need to be able to see that much more clearly uh-huh. to know how to, to um, interface with your adult children effectively.
1: Right. You can't repair what your child doesn't know why the wound was there.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's, it's interesting. I've worked with families before um, who have adult children. They're working on kind of repairing after addiction. And um, it's interesting after the, the initial hurt of realizing how angry their children are mm-hmm. or how hurt or how little their children want to do with the family um How these families I've worked with in recovery, how quickly they can turn to you you know what this did happen, and I remember this story, mm-hmm. and I remember this um, I remember this way that our family worked, and I could see where some of our children's anger is coming from, or yeah. where some of their um, fear of leaving the family mm-hmm. is coming from.
1: without talking about that, you have pieces significant pieces to a puzzle that your kid won't have mm-hmm. And they're not going to be able to really understand the whole thing without Mm -hmm. those significant pieces to the puzzle.
0: And I think there's also a lot in your child's experience where you may feel like, oh, I've got the pieces to the puzzle. And you may be predicting behavior or response from your child that is actually not based on the pieces of the puzzle that your child sees as relevant. Right. So there's information that you have to share with each other. um, And I think it really helps to be able to, when you have those conversations about what happened, I think it helps to not get defensive when you already know that you have contributed significantly to those Uh wounds um, and when you're already aware of some of the things um, that are there.
1: And if you're working like a 12-step program, I think really working step four Mm
0: -hmm. and
1: then continually working step 10 Mm -hmm. right, um, is really going to help you get in that place to Mm -hmm. hear that feedback from your kids and be able to Mm -hmm. own it.
0: Because like we mentioned in in the last episode, and I think we brought this up, it it really is just feedback. Mm -hmm. Um, Ultimately, it's your child talking to you about their experience in the relationship or showing you um, by their actions what their experience in the relationship was. And that's useful information for you um, to to get to know what the attachment wound was for that child Uh and what you can do to improve the relationship that you have with them.
1: I have a client who disclosed... God, it's got to have been at least five years ago to all of his adult children. So all of his children know and their spouses know. And like to this day, I mean, he would say that was one of the best things he did in his recovery and mm-hmm. that it opened up a relationship with his kids that he didn't think it would. Mm-hmm. But he has no zero regrets about doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. And I, I think that kind of information is a really powerful currency with adults. Um I I was talking to a client recently and he was saying, my family is so full of secrets. Um, And he said, I couldn't even tell you what those secrets are. I can just feel that they're Mm. there. And when I have clients get in that place, what I notice from them is there's this hunger to know the truth. Uh And there's a lot that you can, that you and your adult children can figure out about your family of origin on your own, just by observing and talking. But there's also some really key pieces that I think parents hold to, um, being able to talk to kids about, hey, this is what was going on at that time. Yeah. This is what was happening in my head. These are, This is where my feelings are at. This uh-huh. is what was happening in um, your parents' relationship. Yeah. That I think that information alone, I think, can be really healing and grounding uh-huh. um, because it starts to give them a, it's like this collaborative context. Oh, you were there living that with me. Right. I, I I felt very alone, but I realized you were actually tracking.
1: Yeah. I was talking to a client the other day and she's a partner and she really doesn't want anything to come out. Mm -hmm. And she was just saying, can't we just go to the grave with this, like make the changes and then just go to the grave with the secrets. And I mean, I said to her, I said, well, I I guess I have a bias about this. And I, I said, because I think my belief is that the truth conspires to make itself known. Yeah. I, I just think that happens. And so and especially when your kids are adults, I just think you're you're nearing that time that the truth is going to surface.
0: Yeah, they're, they're in their own intense uh, relationship laboratory, whether mm-hmm. that's a committed partnership or dating or marriage, where they're figuring out mm-hmm. how relationships work or how they don't work. Right. And they're seeing a lot more about you and your partner than you probably ever wanted them to mm-hmm. see. Um, and so... Keeping in mind when you talk to your children, when the time is right for this, and I, I would say definitely consult with a therapist and a sponsor and support people about getting the timing right uh-huh. for talking with your adult children, because this is this is also something that they don't they have a right to not hear. Right? Um, they can definitely choose to not be part of that.
1: Yes, but you have to at least say something. Like there is some information mm-hmm. that, as we're in recovery or going to therapy, that we feel like we. It, owe it to you to say, if you want this information, mm-hmm. we can give it to you. Now they yeah. may say, no, I'm not ready for mm-hmm. that, but that's their choice. Mm-hmm. You don't get to make it for them.
0: And your job when they say, no, I don't want to hear that is to continue to keep a warm, loving space open for right. them. Right. Um, because there may come a time like that, that seed planted, it may take years to mature for them yeah. to say, yeah, I do want to know.
1: And, and some of that may just be because they don't really trust you yet.
0: Yeah. And they're yeah. trying
1: to hold on to some facet of the mm-hmm. relationship and they're not ready for that information, mm-hmm. right? So it could be like them not wanting to know could actually be pro-relational.
0: Right. Right? right. Like
1: I, I barely have this with you right now. Mm-hmm. I don't want, I I don't have the room to have more.
0: This is where we can see some of those enmeshment issues in the family come up, both with parents and child, is when a separation might be necessary, whether that's like an emotional separation, sometimes it's a physical separation, um, where one or both parties feel like we can't do that. Uh That would destroy the relationship. Um, When in reality, sometimes that, I can't be neck deep in this, Sometimes that is a very pro-relational move yeah. because it preserves the ability for that person to be present um, and preserves the ability for that person to make choices about themselves in the relationship. Uh-huh. And so one, one thing that I think is really different than adult children is they have a capacity that older teens and even young adults don't have to be separate from you. Mm-hmm. And so if that's something that your child is choosing, it's really important, I think, as the parent, whether you agree with it or not, that you trust their decision. Right. Um, and and that you make sure you work on, again, even if you don't agree, you work on them knowing that you trust their decision uh-huh. to do what they need to do right. in regards to the family. Um, so when these conversations do start, be prepared. Your children may have longstanding resentments and anger yep. um, about what happened or what didn't happen.
1: I, I have to say, you know, and this is just conjecture for me because both of my parents are deceased, and, and so I'm never going to know this.
0: But you have said you've had great conversations I, some with Some of the your best <laughs> conversations I've had
1: with my parents have been since they've died. Um, we can talk about my control over that later. <laughs> um, but I do think that had my parents, either one of them, been able to acknowledge harms done like if they had been able to come to me, I still may have had some resentment and had to, to take some time to work through that. But I actually think I always longed for that. Yeah. And and so I think regardless of how angry I would have been or hurt or even just kind of dismiss, I probably would have been dismissive um, and kind of rude to them. And but I think underneath that, my heart would have softened just a little bit.
0: Well, and and that's part, like, on that surface, uh, dismissive and and being rude, I think some of that is that adult ability to articulate the resentment. Mm -hmm. Um, Kids are in a position that when their parents approach them with anything that looks like caring, kids aren't always in a position to be able to reject that. Right. Um, And... I, I do think it goes a long way, even if it doesn't feel like your child is receptive. Like you said, there can be some softening underneath. Uh-huh. And sometimes that takes years yeah. for the child to become open enough and trusting enough.
1: To let you know they softened.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there can be, like what, what you described there, um, you know, if we're looking at it from a functional adult model, we could look at that and we could say, well, you know, functional adults realize when people are sincere and trying and they give them a chance. Uh-huh. But your children will always be your children. Right. And in some aspect, they're always going to react in that way. So uh-huh. then don't be surprised if you see something that looks like a tantrum, if you see something that looks like sulking, if you yeah. see some eye rolling and it's like, Ugh, you guys are ridiculous. Yeah. Um, because this person has a long history of relying on you for everything mm-hmm. or learning that they couldn't rely on you for yeah. anything.
1: One of the things I'm noticing because I have some adult children now, uh, three of my kids, young adults, but still they're. They like to know that they're adults. And they have this, I I, I don't know if it's just developmental, but they start, I, and I remember doing this with my mom, although she couldn't tolerate it, and so we couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. But they they tell these childhood stories, right, in the way that they remember them, mm-hmm. which I have to say, I think as a kid, when I was retelling these, I was much more accurate than my kids are. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm I'm guessing these stories don't cast you in a real flattering light all the time. No, and
1: some of the times I'm just like, whatever, right? And they make fun of me, and I'll laugh with them. I I mean, I did correct one the other day just because they were talking about, um, they were like, remember how you would feed us, like, sprout sandwiches? And I was like, (laughs) I never... I never fed you <laughs> sprout sandwiches. And they were like, yes, you did. Like alfalfa sprouts? Yes. And I said, okay, here's the deal. I sometimes like alfalfa sprouts instead of lettuce on my sandwiches. Right. I think it's good. And so I put alfalfa sprouts on your sandwich. I didn't like, here's two pieces of bread, alfalfa, <laughs> here <laughs> you <laughs> go. Like There were other things to the sandwich. And they did acknowledge, like... Maybe that's true.
0: No, it was just grass and stuff. We just
1: remembered. And they were like, and my one daughter was like, remember I used to always say to you, why do you always put weeds and stuff in our food? (laughs) Not realizing that, you know, it wasn't weeds. (laughs) (laughs) So I did correct that one. (laughs) But a lot of them I just let go. And I, you know, will say to my spouse sometimes, like, I don't know, their favorite pastime is like making fun of me right now.
0: I, I think it's some of that, um, I think it's some of that continued separation from teenagehood though, mm-hmm. that even goes into adulthood. Like, n- not that we have to see our parents in this derisive way, but I think in order to step into our own adulthood, we have to take our parents' adulthood less seriously. Uh-huh. And we have to see them more as, as human. Yeah. Um, otherwise, we have this standard that we can never attain. Right. And so, yeah, I think there is some, like, chipping away yes. at the statue of mom and dad. in,
1: and, and letting them do it on their time frame, right? Uh-huh. Uh, like, probably a year ago, one of my kids came to me, and they were like, I can't, I can't put this memory together. And they were like, remember how, like, Diana and Tristan, they were our neighbors, they used to come over here all the time? And I was like, yeah. And they were like, like, how were they always over here? And you were there because they were like, I remember you always made us like our favorite grilled cheese sandwich cut into boats. And they were like, but you were always at work. So how come they were like, when did this happen? And I said, oh, well, during that time, I only worked one day a week. And so Mm -hmm. I actually was watching them while their mom worked. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, you only worked one day a week then? And I was (laughs) like, yeah. And that's why they were at our house four days. And they were just like. Oh, so I was like, yeah, that picture of me always being at work not t- totally accurate, right?
0: Well, and there there will be some of this <laughs> as you share um, as you share information that is not self-serving, which I think mm-hmm. can be the tendency especially when there's there's heartache with your adult children, but when you share accurate information, maybe for the first time in their life they have an opportunity to get a clear picture of you mm-hmm. as a person, not through the lens of your spouse. Right. Not through the lens of their siblings. But those one-on-one right. interactions um, and, and that being able to say, actually, this is what was going on in my yeah. life.
1: And I thought that was great because she approached me like, mm-hmm. I can't quite fit these two things together. Mm-hmm. So when did this happen? And, I, you know, it was during the summertime too. So they were at our house a lot. Yeah. Um, so I was just like, oh, yeah, let me correct that for you because you're mm-hmm. open to me correcting and giving mm-hmm. you some information.
0: Mm-hmm. And and I think that, um, that openness to you know, what you called correction or giving some information. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's built on a, fa- a solid foundation of listening
1: to all the times they make fun of me. Right. Right. <laughs> so they're, right. with with your
0: adult children, as you're in recovery, it's not going to start with, let me set the story straight with you. It's going to be something more like, um, I would like to hear the grievances and resentments you have. Yes. And we build that foundation first because, um, I think the trust is a lot deeper in knowing that you can listen to the hard stuff. Uh uh-huh. And they may be open to some of your influence after that. Yes. Um,
1: I have a client who sometimes will say to me, um, and he's working on some mom issues, and he'll say, do your kids just think that, like, they're so lucky to have the mom that they do? And I'm like, no, (laughs) no. And he's like, they don't, like, I would love to have a mom like you. And he's like, and they don't. I'm like, I I mean, I think they're fine with me being their mom, (laughs) right? But I... Yeah. If nobody's, you were to talk to them, they'd be like, mm, we have some stories for you. Nobody's
0: disavowed our relationship <laughs> right. yet. Um, yeah. So th- this really, I think, especially in adulthood, this kind of stuff, this kind of repair, I, I would say strongly, it needs to be a continual part of the interaction, yes. a continual part of the conversation. Um, and I think for adult children, especially... Um, if they're in their own recovery, they're going to become a lot less tolerant of family secrets uh-huh. and a lot less tolerant of things we don't speak about. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, and if you, you have a partner who's engaged in this process, need to become very open to this storyline coming mm-hmm. up whenever mm-hmm. and wherever. And,
1: and I would add to that, they're going to be less tolerant whether you're aware of it or not, yeah. or even how much they're aware of it. They're, but they're going to be less tolerant of the enmeshment, yeah or the disengagement, whichever okay. it was, they're going to be less tolerant of that because mm-hmm. they can be,
0: yeah, yeah, um I have a good friend who said to me recently, you know it's really hard to take crap when you're in a position of power mm-hmm. Um, and i I think that's part of what really changes in relationships for um children and their parents as children enter adulthood, they have power mm-hmm. um and it doesn't necessarily have to be a, like, well, I'm the sheriff in town and I'm not taking this, but when, we're, when we have less dependency on another person, it's a lot easier to call them out on their stuff right It's a lot easier to say I'm not putting up with that. Um, and I, I think that's a part of a um, any functional relationship even in marriages when, when Jackie and I will do marriage therapy, we're always looking at the power dynamic in the coupleship because there are certain protests and issues that can't be brought up if there's a power differential. Mm-hmm. There's certain crap that has to be taken right. when somebody's alpha and somebody's beta. Um, so as, as your children blossom more into adulthood, they will be less tolerant of the willful um, negligence right. on your part. Yes. They also may be a lot more understanding of the, um, the character weaknesses and the foibles.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, but I, I think, again, that all depends on how you address the really direct stuff with them. Yes, yeah. Um, you want to talk a little bit about the, you brought up the point of healing and how oh, they yeah. you grandparent their children.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think there's also an opportunity for you in your recovery to bring some healing to your kids in the way that you grandparent their mm-hmm. children. And and I think there probably needs to be a discussion around this, because otherwise your kid may be like, you're a way better grandparent than you ever were a parent. Yeah. And you have to say, yeah, mm-hmm. Yep.
0: I'm in a position to do that now,
1: <laughs> and because I want to do that, I I want to love your children and thereby love you, mm-hmm. um, in that way that I can now that I'm in recovery and healing, yeah. and I think that can be incredibly healing for kids mm-hmm. to see you really show up, not in a meshed ways mm-hmm. for their grandkid for their children, right, but to really be an engaged grandparent.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I can I can really second that, even though I haven't had um, a lot of the conversations with my parents about those repairs, but I, I can say it really has been healing to <clears throat> see the vast majority of the time that they spend with my children is very loving and very attentive and uh-huh. very playful. And one of the things that I've noticed that that is helping me with is, um, you know, I, I know that that wasn't the narrative that was happening when I was a kid and it shouldn't be, uh-huh. but it helps me remember that these are good, loving people yeah um and that they they can give that love very freely and really effectively uh-huh. um and I think there's been a lot of healing for me in watching that because it shows me a different possibility with them yeah um than the one that I left childhood with
1: yeah and and for me that was a sore spot with both of my parents
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, they they did grandparenting at least to my kids the way they did parenting mm-hmm. now they had You know, my mom had a favorite son and daughter. And -hmm. the way she grandparented those kids, everyone knew who the favorites were.
0: they inherited the favorite status.
1: Um, And and so some of that wounding continued. But I know, um, like my younger brother, my youngest sibling is a brother. And we're, I don't know the math. There's quite a few years, right? I remember I was going to college the year that he started kindergarten. Hmm. So there's a lot of years between us, right? And when you live away, like I did, and I mean, even out of the state, um, like I didn't know his friends, like really. I mean, he'll talk about them now. I don't know these people. I probably have never even seen them. Mm-hmm. There was just a whole lot of his life that I was completely absent for. And vice versa, right? Part of my life that he wasn't born for or mm-hmm. just was too young for. And so in that way, we really didn't know each other. Um But he's told me before, he has three kids now. And, you know, because his kids on this side of the family don't have grandparents, um, in many ways, that's a role that uh, they know that I'm their aunt. Mm -hmm. um, But in many ways, I've played also kind of the pseudo-grandma for them. Mm -hmm. And he said, like, it's been so healing for me and and allowed me to create a closeness with you, just seeing me connect with his children. Mm -hmm. Um, And... To see you know just kind of that relationship blossom
0: yeah. and,
1: and I think it has created some closeness between us and some shared experiences and mm-hmm. and things to you know really talk about and and, uh, and get to know each other through
0: yeah I, I would say for me as I'm listening to um, what we're saying and the theme is emerging that I, I don't know that there's a one correct playbook for how to do this with your children but intentionality, uh-huh. And purposefulness and
1: openness and
0: openness. They, they really, I think set a new trajectory in the relationship mm-hmm. that, um, I would say many adults are really primed to respond to Yeah, and really looking for that and craving that.
1: Yeah. And, and it'll never be too late for healing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I actually, I was, um, speaking with a friend a couple of weeks ago and he was telling me about when his, uh, mom died and they had a very fraught, Relationship, um, the whole life. He uh, he ended up kind of cutting mom off mm. for a while. And um, on her deathbed, he uh, went to her and he said, "I would like to share some uh, resentments and appreciations with you." Mm. And she said, "I would like to hear that." And he shared it, resentments and appreciations, and she did too. And he said it was like, you know, it was a couple hours uh-huh. at the very end of her life. And he said the healing that needed to happen happened there.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Um, and so even if it comes down to like the last hours, there's yeah. always time yeah. for healing
1: for those conversations.
0: Yeah. Um, any thoughts overall on our series on amends to your, or repair with your children in recovery?
1: Um, the other thing I would just say like years ago, a couple years ago, um, the elements treatment team brought mm-hmm. the anonymous people oh, yeah. to movie theaters, right? And one of the things that I, I mean, it's a great, I think, it, maybe it's still on Netflix. I haven't checked recently. Yeah. But if you can check it out, it's a great, it, it kind of gives the history of AA in the beginnings. Mm-hmm. And so it's a great uh, little movie. And um, But one of the t- walkaways that I had with that is um, they talked about that you know, while while there is a necessary part to people who are in 12 steps, that being anonymous and confidential and and really being careful about that um, for those in your you know 12 step groups. But they also said we found that there was this time in which it was so anonymous that nobody knew it was working. Yeah. Because Nobody right? your coworkers may see you and they're like, wow, you've made a lot of changes, that's great. But they have no reason why. Yeah. But, you know, they don't know that you were an addict and you got sober and you got into recovery mm-hmm. and it changed your life, right? So there was kind of this push to be like, yeah, you can't out people in your group, but you can out yourself. Yeah. And you can't be so anonymous that we're not like giving success stories to people who say, Oh, like alcoholics. Really do get better and live really healthy lives.
0: I, I actually I think that addiction recovery is one of the routes to redemption of humanity, mm-hmm. um, and it's I, I think it's yes definitely something to be shared yes and, and passed along yeah.
1: And we've said before on the podcast, right? I mean we we love the twelve steps. We're fans of the smart recovery. Mm -hmm. Um, We're learning about other, like, refuge. Like, we don't care what your road into recovery was or what worked for you. Mm -hmm. But you had to go through some type of transformation to get in recovery from the way that you were living. Yeah, And that's what needs to be shared. And that message needs to go forward so that there can be healing to the people in your life, once you get that healing, and, and that that can kind of just go outward and and create healing we need that
0: yeah so thanks for listening today uh at the end of this episode we want to remind you that your story matters remember there's something meaningful in every chapter don't wait to share your story until it's finished
1: you can share your story with us on our facebook page healing paths inc or on our website www.thanksforsharingpodcast.com
0: this podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy nor should it replace competent professional help
1: At the end of another episode, we want to remind you that nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress.
0: Remember the prayer of the perfectionist. Help me remember I can't do it all. Help me to take things one step at a time and that the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me.
1: Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I'm learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone, that I can ask for help. Help me to re- to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.